Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you were transformed through faith, hope, and love. Well, it is, uh, it is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we recognize that Jesus came into, uh, into Jerusalem um, to start this momentous week that would end in his death. the people had a totally different agenda to Jesus. And if we're not careful as church life, we can have a different agenda from what God has. In other words, we want him to do our will rather than for us to do his will. When we pray, your will be done, often we don't really mean that. We mean, will you meet my needs according to my directions and if you don't do that then you're probably not the God that I want so we want to create a God who is our image of what God should be rather than us being actually created in his image there's a turnaround and we need to be very very careful with that so to fulfill scripture Jesus the the whole of this week is the fulfilling of Scripture. The whole Old Testament and everything that it was aiming for is is to become the fulfillment of even the donkey or the the ass and all of those things. All of them were fulfillments right up to the the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All of this week is is filled with prophetic fulfillment. And we, we need to understand that the Bible is so true that it's ridiculously true. It's so accurate in what it had to say that it's hard not to believe when you understand the week. And I'd I'd love you this week especially to begin to read all of the accounts and use that as in your daily readings, but to read the accounts of, of this last week in the life of Jesus. Because as you see that, you begin to see things happening. Now, what is interesting is that the people were involved in in an agenda to bring Jesus into ruling, but his rulership was not going to be an earthly rulership, but a a heart rulership and a a kingdom that he was going to build that was going to be much bigger than the rebuilding of Jerusalem or, or him coming as Messiah into Jerusalem. Jesus And his ministry was a worldwide ministry, wasn't it? It was something that was global. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was never meant to be just local. But here we've got these people who begin to worship and praise and and get involved in all kinds of stuff like we have done this morning. And you would think that the natural response of that would be that Jesus would kind of feel, well, this is quite nice. This is, well, you know what, this is, this is really lovely. I don't know about you, but I like praise, don't you? I do like people to, to say, you know, you did well. I, I like people to pat me on the back from time to time, you know. I don't always get that, but I just, I just, I do like it. I actually thrive on, on people building me up. I, I thrive on, on a nice little text message. I thrive on, on, on good stuff. There's something in my ego that makes me feel good when people say nice things. It's true, isn't it? 
And that's just being honest. It, and when people say nasty things and things like that, actually it affects, it affects me. Okay. So Jesus is being praised. People are taking their coats off and they're throwing it down. And his natural response is, wow, that's... No, no, no. His natural response is that he cries. Now, I don't think he was crying out of the emotion of the moment. He cries because he sees the future. And what I want to speak about today is his view of the future because their view of the future was totally different from his view of the future and he wanted them to latch into where he was at rather than where they thought he should be at so that we're not wanting Jesus to slot into our ideas and plans of redemption or salvation of our area, but we are slotting into his plans and understanding. Psalm 122, which I'm going to read to you, is very, very interesting. Psalm 122, it's a song of David. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. You're right, you see, it was a statute to praise the Lord. There stand the thrones of, for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your prosperity. There's a whole movement, and maybe some of you here are involved in praying for the peace of Jerusalem. The tragedy is, is that when Jesus comes to the edge of Jerusalem and looks over it, he says these words, if you had only known the time and the season, if you had only known what would have brought you peace, then things would have been different. The tragedy was, is that all of the prayers that happened on a daily, weekly, annual basis for the peace of Jerusalem all went to nothing because they missed the Prince of Peace. And still today, there are people all around the world still praying for the peace of Jerusalem when actually Jesus was beginning a week that would totally and utterly dismantle the historical place of worship. He comes down the mountain and the first thing he does, he upturns the tables and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it into a den of robbers. You've made it into a den of thieves. All through that week, he began to enter the temple and invite people into the temple that were not allowed in the temple. The sick, the lame, the blind, the lepers, the people that were broken. He began to invite inside the temple 
women were invited right into the places where they were not supposed to be. And all the way through that week, he began to dismantle the old system because we don't worship in an old way, we worship in a new way. Until finally he dies on the cross and he removes the final barrier between ourselves and God by tearing the veil of the temple in two. He ripped apart old worship for us to enter into a new system of being part of the body of Christ so that you would become the temple of the Holy Spirit. This building is an incredible building. I was speaking to Angela earlier of, of, of when we walked in this place and it was an absolute wreck of a place and we thought, could it ever become anything ever again? Demons all over the place, just depicted on the walls. And yet today, what a beautiful place that we can come and worship in. Wherever I go, I say, why, why don't you go down to Destiny Centre and ask them if you can borrow their beautiful place to be able to have meetings in and various things. I say to people, why don't you come along and worship in this great center? But it's not the center. God is not into buildings. Actually, he never was. It was only people who were into buildings and wanting buildings to happen. And he said, if, if only you'd have known what would have brought you peace, if, if only you really understood what what." The Father has sent to you at this moment in time, I am your peace, who has broken down every wall, every barrier, everything in the way for, for you to get to know God. Jesus took away every single obstacle so that we could get into the presence of God. And that's what today's all about, really. It's interesting that as you go into the book of John, you find several places where Jesus speaks about peace and he, he speaks about it. In fact, John chapter 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Peace in uncertainty. When, when things are uncertain, when we don't know the answer, when we think, what's going on here? You've got to remember, they lost their leader. Jesus was going to die. He was going to be crucified. Is, is all of what we've been doing for the last three years, is anything ever going to happen? And Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you it's not like the world with the world gives that peace is the absence of conflict peace is not the absence of conflict peace is in the midst of conflict we're in a battle we're we're in a war God says that, that we're always going to have problems always going to have difficulties but we can be at peace in the middle of it all, not because we're kind of trying to get on with each other. Madeline mentioned we were, we were trying to bring two brothers together and, and lovely how, how we were able to do that and, and, and have peace because there was reconciliation. But we are reconciled to God, but we're going to be in, in the midst of trouble and trial. We can have the peace of God. It's interesting that when they were on the stormy sea, 
Jesus spoke peace to the storm so the disciples would understand that he was the Lord of peace. But Jesus didn't need the storm to be still to be at peace. He was in absolute rest in the midst of the storm. John chapter 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I, I don't think many of us have over our bed that wonderful text that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's, what an incredible promise that is. You know, you have it in your kitchen when you walk in. You, hey, guys, lift your head up. It's going to be a rough day. <laughs> Yet Jesus says, there's peace in persecution. There's peace in persecution. There, there's the opportunity. Some of, some of the great testimonies that I've heard of people that we've met around the world. We're very fortunate to be able to meet like we do. We're very fortunate to have the opportunity for us to be, able to, uh, to be able to come together and openly worship, to openly sing, to openly hear the Word of God. There are people around the world who are, are suffering massively for the sake of the Gospel. And it's at them times when we actually know whether or not we, we really love Jesus or not, or whether He's really affected our lives or not. When somebody puts a gun to your head and says, deny Jesus or else you're dead, you say, okay, I take death. North Korea this morning, there are children in cages starving to death and their parents who are Christians will be paraded in front of them saying, unless you deny Jesus, we're going to let your children starve to death. I'll tell you something, it takes some faith to believe in Jesus in the midst of persecution but in the midst of persecution, we can have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We're, we're trusting one who, who, we, who transcends the world. We're trusting one because we're not looking forward to eternity. We're part of eternity. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not looking for a day when you're going to live forever. You've already started living forever. We're part of God's kingdom and, and we're saved now. And we're going to heaven now. It's a wonderful thing to know. In John chapter 20, verses 19, it says, Jesus appeared to his disciples on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together within the doors, locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I went to the dentist, the well, I had to have some surgery done on my mouth. It's amazing I can speak today. On Friday, I had some surgery on my, on, on my mouth. And, and the surgeon said to me, are you afraid? And I said, yes. Because I had some surgery about 20 years on this side of my mouth. And when they did that, they cut into a nerve. 
And for quite a long while, I couldn't speak properly. I had to, I had to learn to speak again because I had a lisp. And I said, am I ever going to be able to preach again? Am I ever going to be able to speak again and do the things that I used to do? And on this side, I was going to have the same operation. And I was thinking, what if? Tracy knows how I like to talk. Just imagine not being able to talk again. It would be absolutely crazy. But I said, I'm not really afraid, but I do have an apprehension. I'm hoping that when I come out of this, I'm still going to be able to speak. And thank God, I can still speak. That's good, isn't it? And so we thank God for that. But you see... His crack disciples, the apostles, the, one who's, the ones who were going to take the gospel to the nations, the ones who were going to be the ones who were going to take over when Jesus went to be the instigator of what we believe today, they were locked in a room full of fear. And yet Jesus comes. See, when Jesus comes, he makes the difference. We're not wanting you to get involved in a religion. We don't want you to get involved in a church. We don't want you to get involved in just some, some routine practices. You've heard it through worship this morning. It has to be more than that. It has to be a connection to the Son of God because when we've got a connection with Him, He casts out all fear because He is perfect love. He's the love of God that's being given to us that casts out all fear. You see, the, the, the people on the mountain that day as they were worshipping, as they were throwing their coats off, they didn't know him. They didn't know who he was. He said to them, if only you really knew who I am. If only you could get in contact with me. If you only understood me. We don't want you to get involved in the religious background and the backdrops of all that they were doing. We're on our way to Pentecost. We're going to have Pentecost. We're going to remember how we came through the Red Sea. We're going to remember all of, the, all of the backdrop of Israel. We're going to remember that. And Jesus said, I'm the fulfillment of it. Everything you've been praying for, everything you've been longing for, everything you've hoped for, I'm it. And yet you've missed me. Do you know what? From the prophecy that Jesus gave that day, it took 40 years, less than 40 years for that to come true. Not one stone left on They're looking at buildings. They're, they're looking at, at, at ritual and, and the ritual of religion. And Jesus said, in a few years' time, the building's not going to be here. Jerusalem's not going to be here. And you're all looking towards it, and yet it's not going to exist anymore. And from that moment, almost 2,000 years passed before ever Jerusalem was occupied again. And yet people are still praying for the peace of Jerusalem. The only way that Jerusalem will ever have peace is when it, when it finds Jesus. 
The only way that Stockton will ever have peace is when it finds Jesus. The only way Hartlepool will ever find peace is when it finds Jesus. The only way that the Ukraine and Russia will find peace is when they find Jesus. Because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Again, Jesus said, this is in John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Peace in ministry. You know, God, for all of you who've been Christians for many, many years, and I, I know lots of you, so I know that many of you have, have, have served Jesus for a long, long time. But you know, there is a, a, a settled peace that God gives us when we know what we're doing that we're supposed to be doing. There's still lots of people who have been Christian for a long time still searching for answers, searching, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I here for? And you know what? You're going to live and die with that same question unless you actually get into, into line with Jesus and allow Jesus just to speak into your heart and saying, you know what? My peace I give you. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How important it is that we have that peace in our heart, that we're in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time, knowing that we're called of God, knowing that God has a plan for our lives, and, and that even though we might find ourselves in a room all locked in, wondering what the future might hold, Jesus comes and says, I give you my peace, and from that peace you're going to be able to reach the nations for Jesus. God wants to you to be at peace with him so that you understand perfectly what his plan and purpose is for your life, that you don't live in turmoil. You haven't got all these questions in your mind, but you're absolutely settled that Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. He's got a plan for my life. He'll open up doors. He'll make ways where it seems impossible. We, Madeline and myself could never have dreamed of traveling to over 100 countries around the world and ministering. But that people would even listen to us or think that we might have something to offer into their lives. But having that absolute knowledge, we've been called to do it. We've got that settled peace within ourselves. In fact, there is an uneasiness when we're not doing it. But we're at peace when we are. And how important it is for you to get into a place of peace, of knowing that Jesus called you to a specific task and that you're, you're in absolute peace with yourself and with him, knowing that you're doing what he wants you to do. And finally, John chapter 20 and verse 26. What about poor old Thomas? A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I'm glad there's peace for doubters. Because there's peace for me. I'm glad there's peace for doubters. I'm glad there's peace for those of you who say, I've got loads of questions. Do you know what? Jesus doesn't mind questions. God doesn't mind questions. God doesn't mind it when you come and say, I don't understand this. I went into a room at the hospital this last week. In fact, tomorrow morning, 
I, I take the funeral of a, a little baby that never had the opportunity to survive. And that's, and that's just tomorrow morning. And, and I went in and they said, why? We're, we're calling a minister in to come and pray with us, but we don't even know if we believe in God. Why would God allow such things? And I, I just said, you know what? If we understood the miracle of birth, then we probably wouldn't, under, we wouldn't worry too much about the, the horror of death. And I said, I don't want to mouth any religious platitudes or anything in that kind of fashion, but I do want that, that couple to know the peace of Jesus. In the midst of grief, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of doubt, in the midst of fear, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial... We need to know the peace of God that passes all understanding, that keeps our heart and mind. Because it's okay to have peace with God when things are okay. But what about when things are not okay? What about when we stand before the Father and I stand before him and I say to him, do you know what, over the years I've stood at the graveside of so many little babies that never had the opportunity. Lord, why? I haven't got the answer. But I know him. I know his love. I know his grace. I know that even in my times of doubt, he can give me peace in my heart, peace that passes all understanding, that will keep my heart and mind. A peace that is beyond all comprehension that he wants to give you. He gives us his peace. So when you're coming down the mountain, when you're in the midst of praise and when you've got all the stuff and you're taking off your, your coats and you're throwing them in front of the master and you knelt before him, in all of that, don't miss him. In church, don't miss him. Don't miss him. Because you can miss church and meet him, but not come to church and miss him. It's great to come together and, and be in worship and to magnify his name. But to miss him is crazy. To miss him is, is almost ridiculous. Catch Jesus. See who he is. Accept him for who he is. And let him be the one who brings you that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray that you, the Prince of Peace, would minister into the hearts and lives of each one here as they, as they travel through their struggles. Help us, Lord, in the midst of the euphoria of all that goes on in church life, not to miss you, that we might find you. To be able to say to us, you know, we didn't want not to know. We want to know, Lord. We want to know you, whom to know is life eternal. I pray, Lord, that this fellowship, this church, the pastors, the leaders, the, the whole congregation would, would come into a relationship of a knowledge of yourself where your peace will be our portion and that we will know that incredible peace of God that passes all understanding. So may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message spoke to you and you would like prayer, or perhaps this is your first time listening, 
then we'd love to connect with you at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk forward slash connect. You're welcome to join us every Sunday in person or online at 11am.